We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, normally we don't look and talk at about uh, Monday's action too much, but this week there was so much to choose from from uh, last night's action. I'll just rhyme off a bunch, and then, partner, you can pick whatever you want to talk about, and we'll go at it in depth. We'll touch the other topics during the course of the show. But off the top of my head, I saw the returns of Malkin and Sagan. The improbable scoring exploits of McDavid and Matthews are nearing ridiculous totals that we thought were out of sight. The NHL's resident bad boy Tom Wilson is at it again in Washington. A storybook debut for Cole Caulfield in Montreal. A feel-good debut story in Buffalo as a 28-year-old rookie goalie Michael Hauser wins his NHL debut and the playoff race upstate. I'll leave it to you, partner, to pick any of these storylines to open the show, but we'll touch on all of them, as I said, in today's episode of Puckcast. So uh, where do we begin, AJ? I want to talk about, right? Obviously, Malkin, as our listeners know, and, and Cole Caulfield, a, a UW-Wisconsin product. But, look, we have to talk about Tom Wilson. Like, this is just unacceptable. You know, I, I a lot of people are going to talk about the fact that Artemi Panarin was hurt in that scrum, and, and I do think that is an important aspect here. But, really, it all begins with what, what kicked this whole thing off. Like, he first off, he kind of, like, drives Pavel Buzhnevich into the ground, like, into the ice – like by the neck, which is first wrong thing he does. Then he punches him while he's down. You basically have a guy pinned down to the ice and then you punch him. So of course the Rangers jumped on him. Like, why wouldn't they, you know, and 
And all this, of course, starts, you know, Peter Lavalette wants to say, well, you know, it's a goalie, you know, scrum around a goalie happens all the time, blah, blah, blah. There's one thing to defend your goalie, clear guys out. And these scrums do happen all the time. But like punching a guy who's down on the ice multiple times, like that's not cool. Like he throws Panarin to the ice and then hits him a couple more times. Like I remember, uh, I very distinctly, I saw a fight one time with Zdeno Chara Going up against a smaller guy, he, you know, they're punching him. Char gets him on the ground, pulls up his fist like he's going to punch him again when he's on the ground, and he stops because he respects the fact that his opponent is on the ice and he's down. Tom Wilson never does that. You look at it. Here's here's his quotes from from last time. This is after his previous suspension. At the end of the day, it can't happen. I can't be missing seven games. I can't be missing one game. I've got to be in the lineup. And he follows that up with. A lot of people probably wouldn't believe me, but you never want to see a peer get injured. You're right, Tom. A lot of us don't believe you. You just punch a guy on the ice after driving him into the ice in the first place. Then you throw another guy to the ice and continue pummeling him. Like the league, it, I would, I think the league needs to say, you're done for the year, buddy. Yeah. You've already been suspended once. We don't want you back. Good riddance. Washington, figure your crap out and get this guy and we won't even talk about the tweet that they sent out after this whole thing. That was disrespectful to begin with. You can go look it up. This tweet was garbage tweet by the team. And it just goes to represent everything that they stand for and will you know, do when it comes to defending Tom Wilson. Lavalette's comments after the game were trashed. The team's Twitter account is trashed. And Tom Wilson leads the way in terms of garbage NHL players. And I hope they just kick him out for the rest of the year. I would be fine if they wanted to ban him for life. We know that's not going to happen, but I think it should. Um, at minimum, he needs to be done for the year. AJ, I couldn't agree with you more, and I didn't want to interrupt you because you seemed like you had it all covered <laughs> in good full rant. Uh, he, he just beha- his behavior is not representative of what the NHL wants to see in the in the league, and and uh, you know it's it's terrible what he gets away with in a game like last night. But largely, it's because of the fact that the Rangers don't have a heavyweight to protect their team. And that's why this guy ran amok last night without fear of getting any retribution. And that's why teams like Toronto, they get Wayne Simmons in the lineup because people will think twice before before looking out and saying, oh, if I do this, I might have to pay for it on the ice. But you're right. I've had enough of this guy, and I've seen enough of this guy, and I don't need to see any more of him this year for sure. And I hope the NHL does throw the book at him. In terms of the tweet that they put up, yes, it was a terrible message that they sent after the game. It's so bad, in fact, that they have actually came to their senses and took it down, AJ. So, uh, you know, sadly, uh, we, we can't refer to it specifically or verbatim today uh, unless we go for memory. But it was terrible, in terrible taste. And and the coach, sure, he's going to defend his players, but that action was indefensible. I, I don't even see it anymore when I watch wrestling. That's how bad it was in terms of, of, of the egregious nature of the whole episode. And I say they throw the book at this guy and, uh, and don't look back. Uh, he's got a litany of... Uh, of things on a rap sheet uh, in his career and this might just be the the cherry on top and uh, i've seen enough like you so uh, goodbye and good riddance would be a message from podcast in this corner from both of us today so now that we got all hot and bothered to start the show aj <laughs> we can go into our rotation of news and notes around the league and normally uh, one of the other headlines we didn't even touch on in anaheim was 
the announcement that Ryan Miller is going to retire at the end of the season. I know that this is a player that's near and dear to your heart with roots in Buffalo and a long, uh, distinguished career as one of the, maybe the top U.S. goalie in hockey history. Uh, he's le- leader in several categories uh, for all goalies from uh, born south of the border here. And uh, a tip of the hat from me, I saw more than enough of this guy breaking my heart against the Leafs for years <laughs> and uh, just an outstanding citizen by all accounts. And uh, I'll leave it to you to rebut that, but we got to go through other notes there. Uh, John Gibson, the de facto number one, is back on the top of his game. Uh, this is a team that was 2-2 two and two last week. They're going to finish last in, in the West, but four goals against in two games. It's typical of what Gibson gives these guys a chance to win every night, even though they've got a pop-gun offense. Consider that of their three leading scorers last week, one's a raw rookie in uh, Zegris getting a goal and two assists. Cam Fowler having a decent season with a goal and three assists, and Danton Hyden with one and three. And uh, other than that, not much going on here. Zegris, for his part, playing t- center minutes on the second line because Adam Henrique is now in COVID protocol. This is a team that just wants the season to end, but there are a couple of nice debuts with Zegris. And then Jamie Drysdale, an 18-year-old defenseman, flashing some offensive skills with another goal and assist last week, getting more minutes with veterans Manson and Linden, Lindholm's sideline. But uh, I know you want to say a few words about Ryan Miller. Yeah, absolutely. As you alluded to, the the winningest U.S.-born netminder in in NHL history has about 20, 25 wins more than than Tom Barrasso there. And and really, you know, the year of, as they, you know, refer to it in Canada as the golden goal year, um, you know, really the the U.S. shouldn't have been in that game. Uh, I I think it was really on the, the back of of Ryan Miller that they got there in the first place, you know, before Sidney Crosby broke us hearts and, and conflicted the hell out of mine because, you know, <laughs> I cheer reasons. for the guy all the other time. Um, but yeah, you know, Ryan Miller just has been a class act uh, throughout his career, you know, both as a starting netminder in Buffalo, um, you know, Vancouver, and then, you know, coming in and, and willingly accepting the backup role. We never heard anything uh, out of Anaheim that, that he was upset or disgruntled. You know, he, he really fit into his role there. Um, it's a bummer to, to think about an NHL without, uh, you know, without Ryan Miller kicking around there. And, and I think a great, great way to end his career. I'm sure they'll give him uh, probably the, the last game of the year to close out their, their season and, and finish on a, on a highlight on, on that end as the rest of the season hasn't been much of a highlight. Speaking of lack of highlights, we'll talk about the Arizona Coyotes currently sitting fifth in the West after a one, two, and one week. Uh, they're going to need to be better than that if they're going to track down that last spot uh, you know, in the playoffs here. They're, they're starting to get to the point of no return, and, and honestly, they probably are. They, uh, the Blues have three games in hand on them and a five-point lead, so really it's all in St. Louis's court to close out the year. As far as Arizona goes, three games played for Darcy Kemper, no wins, 10 goals allowed. Aiden Hill got a shutout in his uh, lone appearance of the week. And really uh, this is another team that, you know, just every year with Arizona, it's right around the edges, you know, and it looks like there's maybe one more piece, you know, it was Phil Kessel was going to be that one piece that they added to get them over the hump. And, And every year it seems like they're just one piece away um, from becoming a, a playoff team, and this will be another disappointing season for the Yotes fan at the end of the day. 
Well, it looked like the Boston Bruins might have to fend off some pursuers for fourth place, but now after a 3-0 and week, they seem to have secured their playoff spot, AJ. So we know the four combatants in the division that you care about the most, and that should be a real tussle in the first two rounds there. We'll get to that in uh, our playoff previews in a couple of weeks, but something to look forward to for sure in this division. Tuka Rask looks like he's back in top form. Two game starts last week, both wins and only three goals against for him. Craig Smith had a hat trick, so he's solidifying his place as the second line scoring winger here. It hasn't hurt him that Taylor Hall has arrived and uh, completed the look on that second line with Krejci as uh, the whole line went off for, let me do a quick math, seven for Krejci, four for Hall, and five for Smith. That looks like 11, 16 points on the week for this trio and in a second-line scoring role. They've been looking to, to solidify this unit for a long while, but I think they've got their mix now. And uh, certainly the, the notorious right winger on the top line had another nice week, two goals and two assists for him. Uh, Charlie McAvoy on defense, uh, leading the parade from the blue line, but it's been a blue line that's dealt with injuries. Brandon Carlo, it looks like he's ready to rejoin the club. He's been a full practice participant for a few days and should be ready to play later this week. He's been out since April the 1st, so that'll be a big addition. They already recently got Matt Grizzlick uh, in the lineup uh, coming off the IR, and he's chipped in offensively with three points in his last seven games played. They really missed him. Uh, so I think all hands are approaching on being on deck and uh, – this will be a tough out for any team that opposes them the first time, first round, and it could be your favorite club, AJ. But uh, your thoughts on the Bruins and then lead us into Buffalo. I think the interesting thing to come out of the last few days is that it looks like they're potentially bumping uh, Jeremy Swayman up to the backup role over Yaroslav Halak. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I think Swayman may have convinced them uh, of one, their, their future, which we've talked about previous weeks, but also I think if Rass struggles at all um, in the postseason here, we, we might see Swayman start a, a playoff game. Uh, you know, it doesn't look like Rask is having any issues. He had a really good week, um, but it's just something to monitor that, that it looks like maybe Swayman has played himself at least into number two on the depth chart. Uh, look, if you got to talk about goalies, uh, Buffalo is the place to go here with <laughs> no less than their fifth uh, string guy starting last night. Michael Hauser makes his debut. Look, they had to get an exemption from the NFL or NHL rather to sign their backup AHL goalie to a professional tryout, Stefanos Lekes. And then this season, you know, they got rid of the e-bug this season, the, the emergency backup uh, goalie. Uh, because of COVID protocols and everything. And so that's why there always has to be a goalie on, on the, uh, the taxi squad this year to help alleviate that if you ever needed a third goalie to come in a game. Well, they got to the point where not only did they have to sign this guy to a PTO to serve as the backup, they got clearance from the league that Mike Bales, the goaltending coach, was going to be their emergency option if something came wow. up. You've got, you've got Lukanen is out. Tokarski is out. Olmark is out, although he was at practice, so could be uh, nearing a return there. And then Carter Hutton, of course, done for the year. So just banged up goalies all the way around. It shouldn't be a surprise to see they went 0-3 last week as a result. I don't think this team's going to win rack up too many wins down the stretch here. And really, in terms of fantasy uh, season long, you obviously haven't been using these guys much, even in DFS. 
maybe one or two guys you could pick, but otherwise stay away from this club right now or stack against it might also be an option. Although they, I should say, they did get the win last night over the Islanders. In terms of DFS play, AJ, this might be a team that you look at the opposing goalie every chance you get, but you know that they're going to be a, a large share of ownership on, on those players in those circumstances. We can talk about that when we get to the DFS segment later in the show. In Carolina, this is a team that's ticking and bopping along in first place, holding off the Tampa Lightning for now. They're 7-0-3 in their last 10 in Carolina. All things are looking good. Consider Alex Nodelkovich with two games played, two wins, and only two goals against. Even backup James Reimer with a win and two starts and only five goals against. They don't need to score very many goals to get their wins here, but they're getting a lot of offense, and that hasn't hurt them at all. That Toivo Teravainen finally rejoins this lineup and forms, uh, re- reforms the potent partnership that he has with Sebastian Ajo. Ajo had seven points in the week, Teravainen three. Uh, McCormick chipped in with two goals. Stahl with a pair of goals and a, and a couple of helpers. Zvechnikov with five assists. I told you offense wasn't a problem. Even uh, Brett Pesci continues a very nice year on, on the back end with two more assists. And rates consideration as one of the finer two-way defensemen in the game, in my estimation. There's still no timetable, though, about a, a timeline for Peter Mrazek's return from injury. And, uh, of course, the, the Hurricanes would certainly love to have their number one goalie in tow. But he's had a, an injury-plagued season. And, and despite that, they're rolling along in first place. There's also injuries to the left-wingers Paquette, Fast, and Martinook leaving the depth chart a little thin on the port side, and that might be the the biggest concern they have as they get ready for the playoffs. I'm going to disagree with you, Paul. I'm not sure they want Peter Mrazek back because it's going to give them a headache as to what to do between the nets come the playoffs because how do you not put Nadelkovic in? Um, I I think you have to at this point. So if Mrazek's not available, at least that's, (laughs) that's one headache that you don't have to deal with. In Calgary, there's plenty of headaches to go around after a one and two week. Markstrom, three games started, just the one win there, five goals allowed. A little bit of production out of Elias Lindholm with three goals to Chuck, three assists. But otherwise, a pretty quiet week offensively for this club, and it's uh, getting uh, down to the nitty-gritty for them. They have six games left, so technically they're not out of uh, out of a playoff spot, but it's looking pretty thin there as they're 10 points back of Montreal. Uh, this will be a disappointing season for them. I think they, they paid up big in the offseason to bring in a guy like Markstrom. Uh, Chris Tanev was another guy they brought over for a pretty hefty price tag uh, in free agency, and I think they – we're prepared and expecting to make a, a, at least, if not just a playoff appearance, a deeper run here. So uh, they're going to have to go back to, to the grindstone here. Obviously, the coaching change midseason wasn't a good sign that they were headed in the right direction. Um, where they can go from here is, is certainly a, a question mark to me. Uh, it seems like all the pieces are there, but they're just not putting it together. Uh, and it's hard to, to see a way out for, for Flames fans right now. You know what? You nailed it. And we knew at the beginning of the season, one of these teams would be very disappointed uh, with a non-playoff situation. And it turns out it looks like it's going to be the Calgary Flames. In recent weeks, Matthew Tuchuk's play has tailed off. And this guy's a leader of this club, AJ. And uh, maybe it's a telltale sign that when his play uh, leveled off, that this team really went south. And their top scorers really didn't deliver the goods either, except for a brief blip that we highlighted last week 
when we saw a little bit of action from Gaudreau uh, to lead the pack offensively that week. But it hasn't been consistent enough to, to salvage the season for them. And uh, so they're going to be on the outside looking in. I don't think there's any doubt at this stage. Uh, they have very faint hopes. they got to run the table and hope that either Montreal or Winnipeg just goes over the rest of the way. That's their only chance right now, the way I see it. In Chicago, this is a team that for a while thought they had a shot at a playoff spot. But uh, they're now slipping to sixth in the Central Division. They went 0-2-1 last week. Lankinen, their goalie, who had a good stretch earlier on, is now looking a little tired to me, AJ. He had three game starts last week, didn't get any wins, and allowed 12 goals against. So maybe he's hit a bit of the rookie wall that happens to so many players late in their first NHL campaigns, particularly goalies too. Uh, but up front, the news is still very positive. As uh, youngsters, Kubelik, two goals and assist. Debrinkat, two goals and two assists. The venerable Patrick Kane, four helpers. Hagel with a goal and two helpers. Gaudet with a goal and two helpers. Kirby Dock with a goal and two helpers. So the young brigade of offensive pieces is certainly coming together and doing their part. They've got to learn more of a 200-foot game, though, to help their goalie situation. Kurashov right now is a guy to watch, another youngster. He is uh, getting the plum assignment between Dabrinkat and Kane. If you're looking for a stack of the Hawks' top line, he comes in cheap while the other two guys will cost you a little bit. So maybe you can squeeze the three of them in when the Hawks are playing and uh, firing on the offensive cylinders that we've highlighted. I like the fact that Dylan Strom has been moved back to center, albeit on a third line. Well, it's a chance to lengthen the offense, I guess. And uh, on defense, another youngster, Wyatt Kalina, Kalinyuk, has been a revelation back there, now paired with Duncan Keith. Maybe that has a lot to do with his success. Uh, but he has four goals and three helpers in his last 10 games played, now approaching 20 minutes per game. So maybe they're finding another piece on the back end to go with the youngsters that are lighting it up up front. This guy was a seventh-round pick in 2017. To me, that's like found money at this stage four seasons later. This guy's making a, making his great strides in the NHL. So despite a sixth-place finish, what what looks to me like the future getting brighter in Chicago. Well, Paul, you're the only one on this podcast that's surprised about uh, Kleinuk uh, here. He's a UW-Wisconsin product. We knew here in uh, in the home of the Badgers that he was going to be good. Look, the best news for me with this guy, uh, you know, he was a seventh-round draft pick by the Philadelphia Flyers. Didn't end up signing with that organization. Instead, uh, hit the free agent uh, pool and signed with the Blackhawks instead. And so that's a huge boost for me. I hate to see Badgers go play for the Flyers. <laughs> it uh, it really hurts my soul to have to cheer against guys like Brian Elliott. Um, so I, I'm glad he's with uh, Chicago and, and not surprised uh, at his, his production there. In Columbus, things continue to just kind of coast along as, as they're all hoping the season ends sooner rather than later, Expect, except maybe for Coach John Tortorella who may want to continue coaching a little bit longer and, and doesn't want this season and his, uh, his job there to end. Uh, 1-0-1 last week. Merz Lickens continues to get the nod there for them over the like of Jonas Corvasalo, who's out. Um, they did get Patrick Laine back. They put him on a fourth line uh, in that return, which is a little confounding, but uh, he did see plenty of minutes on the power play in that return, so they bolstered his minutes that way. Look, uh, I just think this is a club looking to, to get things over and done with as soon as possible. There's some players here that offer some intrigue, I think, for next season as far as season-long DFS. Uh, depending on the matchup, maybe you could look at DFS 
as well. But for the most part, uh, this is an organization to kind of be avoided at this point in terms of uh, fantasy contests. You can't say the same about the Colorado Avalanche. They're the darlings of DFS in a lot of circles. Two and two was the record last week, though. Mikko Rantanen with two goals and three assists. Nate McKinnon, two goals, two assists. Landis Gov, one and two. So the top line humming along. But they're getting support from the likes of Soderberg and Timmons with a couple of assists each. Kale McCarr is a guy that I think should be talked about when you talk about the best all-around and particularly offensive net defenseman in the game. An injury-marred season, but he looks to be rolling right now with another goal and two helpers. Even in the Nets, Philip Grubauer came out of COVID protocols to post a 21-safe shutout in his return. A uh, couple of problem spots, though, down the middle of the ice. No production at all from the center position when you consider Kadri's pointless in 11 games and Yost pointless in his last five. So that might be a little bit of a concern that they got to right because there's a lot of good one-two punches, particularly in, in Las Vegas, that they're going to have to deal with early on in these play, uh, playoffs. So they got to get that situation sorted out. Also, they have uh, their defense being impacted by injuries to Samuel Gerrard, expected to miss two weeks with an undisclosed injury, and Ryan Graves, with an upper body hurt that's not quite so serious, and we don't have a timeline on, line on him. Even rookie Bowen Byram has landed on the IR with upper body injury last week. So they got some things to sort out in Colorado before the serious shooting starts in a couple of weeks. You have to be concerned about those blue line injuries. You know, the, it's going to open up Grubauer to see more pucks uh, and, and, you know, be in trouble that way. Um, so you, yeah, you definitely have to have some concerns there. They still have an offensive powerhouse and a guy like Samuel, Gar- uh, not Samuel garage rather, although he has been good offensively and Kale McCarr, uh, to really lead the way there. So it's not, it's not for me, it's not a red flag, but it's maybe, uh, you know, a yellow, something to be cautious <laughs> about and, and think of, uh, uh, you know, what's happening there. In Dallas, a one, two, and one week was kind of overshadowed by the news last night that Tyler Sagan would be back in action. And he rolled in with a goal right away on three shots. Uh, you know, really a, a solid outing for him, 17 minutes of ice time. So they didn't, you know, it's a little lower than his usual 19, but uh, definitely didn't pull any punches in terms of, you know, overall, like, big ice time decreases, but you have to wonder if it's a little bit too late uh, for them. They didn't get the win last night. So that's going to compound the fact that they're trailing Nashville by four points. They have just four games remaining. They do have one in hand on the predators. Um, and, and I'm worried for, for stars fans that it's just Tyler Sagan, just uh, like a week too late. Like if he could have come back a week ago, Obviously, you don't want him to rush back if he was still injured. I'm, I'm not suggesting that by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it, it feels like maybe one week too late to really force their way into the playoff picture. But they've got uh, they've got him and a, a chance to try and do something. AJ, the Detroit Red Wings uh, probably locked up a uh, non-playoff spot several weeks ago, but Thomas Grice was uh, one of the three stars this past week. Consider what this guy did in two game starts, posted two shutouts. He didn't win both games. He won one and lost one in a shootout. So unfortunate turn of events there, but it just uh, goes to show what uh, how heroic he was last week. And really, the one loss record doesn't do him any services on the season. He's been plagued by a lack of offense behind, in front of him rather. This team uh, certainly has battled hard recently, but uh, their offensive exploits are limited by the fact that 
Dylan Larkin and Franz Nielsen both missing a lot of time recently and now have been ruled out for the rest of the season. So if you're looking for goalie wins, target the opposing team when the Red Wings or the Sabres play, and that's your best bet to, to highlight that aspect early on in this show. Despite the significant ice time in the middle of the ice, in place of these two guys, Michael Rasmussen has showed well in, in spurts, but now is pointless in his last nine games played. Could be another issue of that rookie wall creeping up on him. Another youngster on the back end, Dennis Chalowski, though, has been a bright light and promoted to top pairing minutes with another youngster in Philip Ronick. So they're getting some pieces in order uh, as they try to form a team that is uh, impro- looks to be improve in the near future. And uh, that D pairing is one that should be a good one for years to come, in my opinion opinion i like a lot of the aspects that these two kids bring to the table paul we're already going to have the washington fans coming after us so to avoid the red wing fans coming after us as well i should point out that if you look at the league standings as a whole they're actually 26 in in the league right now with 45 points so they're not as easy as an out as you know buffalo sabers anaheim is down there with just 39 points Um, I won't include Vancouver in that because Vancouver still has, you know, like 10 games left to play. They'll work their way up a little bit. But New Jersey, Columbus, all teams below Detroit in the standings. So they're maybe not the easiest out as you make it seem. But uh, uh, certainly they're they're not uh, one of the more difficult clubs to play with at this time. One of the teams that is really hard to play against this year is the Edmonton Oilers. Still grinding away second in the north as they try and track down Toronto. Again, probably a little bit too late despite a three-in-one week. Good uh, good set of outings from Mike Smith. Three games started, two wins, five goals. Uh, look, McDavid, uh, just a ridiculous 10 points last week. Uh, I think when the season started, right, You pro- we all probably figured, all right, 56 games, like 70 points, maybe 80 points will lead the way, right? Like that seems like a reasonable number to have expected. Uh, The fact that McDavid could hit 100 here, now he's going to have to put up a couple more multi-point games. He's only got six left on the season here. Um, But it is certainly within the realm of possibility. He's got nine points to go to hit that 100 mark. And God, you know, Leon Dreisaitl, talk about a guy even at the top of the show, Paul, you are, uh, you know, a big uh, part of this as well. You know, McDavid and Matthews, you know, continue to rack up all these points, blah, blah, blah. Like Dreisaitl has 73 points on the year, uh, 24 goals, like a 1.46 point per game. And, and actually, in terms of point per game, he's second in the league behind Connor McDavid, of course. Um, you know, looking at it, guys that have played in, in 15 or more games, there's 23 guys uh, with 15 or more games this season that have at least a point per game pace. Uh, and those two guys leading the way in McDavid and Dreisaitl. Really, this team shouldn't be in second when you consider all the offensive firepower that they've got. Yeah, but they got holes on the blue line. And uh, I wonder... People are looking at them as a serious contender in the North for a good reason, I think, too. But Mike Smith just playing a a whale of a game every time he gets in there in the nets. His goals against average among the best in the league right now, and that's not getting talked about enough, I don't think, the year that he's been having. Because last night, you got a reminder, Miko Koskinen was in the nets, and he let in three and on the a limited workload but uh, certainly Mike Smith has grabbed the job with both hands and he'll be their go-to guy in the first round I just have question in the back of my mind can a 39 year old goalie 
lead the way in what looks to be a busy playoff schedule, uh, that, that could be something that, uh, that the Oilers will rue before the whole season is written up. In Florida, they're in third place in a real battle in that division, in the Central Division, with a 3-1 and one week uh, in the books last week. Sergei Bobrovsky's been playing very well of late, uh, AJ. Seems to be he's got his game in order. He was in the Nets for three game starts last week, picked up two wins as well. But it's Spencer Knight who's getting a lot of the headlines recently, and uh, two game starts, two wins, and three goals against. Chris Dreger now is the topic uh, when you're talking about possible goalies that might head out to Seattle in that expansion franchise, his name looks to be near the top of their list, and uh, he might be uh, the third man in, in the totem pole in Florida. So the tea leaves are, are looking like that right now to me uh, as a, a destination for a guy that I have a lot of faith in in terms of being a decent NHL goalie over in Seattle. Anthony Duclair had a nice week for this club uh, with four goals and two assists leading the attack, but it's the partnership that that uh, Barkov and Huberdeau have formed, uh, particularly on the power play. They've combined for 11 points last week. Mackenzie Weger, three points on the back end. A uh, nice week for him as he continues to fill a key vacancy in the offense from the back end with Aaron Ekblad out of the lineup. And uh, even part-timers like Nudevara on defense, two assists, Denisen- Gregory N- Denisenko trying to get top six minutes on the wing. He had two more assists, picking up... Uh, a promotion from the taxi squad to all the way up to the left wing on the top line here so that's a a name that will be cheap in dfs play and look at the partnership that he gets to play with on the top line there with barkov uh, a great fit for him Owen Tippett also gets a chance to go with uh, Huberto on the second line. He had two goals and one helper last week. And the darling of the trade deadline, Bennett, continues his scoring streak. Two goals, five assists. Now has 13 points in his last nine games played with the Panthers. Carter Verhage has missed 11 games played with an upper body injury. They'd love to get him back in the lineup, and it looks like they will. But uh, he was having a career season that was marred by this hurt uh, in the last few weeks. And uh, hopefully he does get back because they'll need all hands on deck to deal with Carolina and Tampa. In Los Angeles, uh, a decent week for them. Two and two, as Jonathan Quick reminds us that he is not over and done quite yet. Two wins, two goals allowed in his two starts. They're getting some production from Adrian Kempe, uh, Andreas Athanasiu as well. Uh, I think the thing for Los Angeles Kings fans to watch, as, as they no doubt are aware, is Quinton Byfield um, hasn't scored a point yet in those four games. But with the injury to Blake Lazat, I think this opens up the door for Byfield to play a few more games here down the stretch, get some more opportunities um, and, and really, you know, try and see uh, if he is full time NHL ready. It, so far, I think I think it's, you know, no points. Sure. But. From what I've seen on the ice, I think he's you know, going to be a guy that's good to go next year to be a full-time NHL player for them. Um, certainly a lot, a lot can change in, uh, you know, in, in that amount of time. But I like the fact they've got him with Iofalo and, and Double A on, on that line. I think that's a good spot for him. Um, and I, I look for him to be a full-time NHLer next year. AJ Minnesota looks like they're closing the gap on the top two teams in the West Division. And uh, with that offense ticking and bopping the way they are, uh, I wouldn't like to play this team in the first round. Look at 
Jonas Brodeen has picked up his game offensively, even from the back end with two goals and one helper. But it's Fiala with two goals and three assists. Kaprizov having an outstanding rookie season. Eric Sinek with a couple of goals. Greenway with a couple of assists. Even Marcus Foligno has enjoyed a productive stretch, moving up to right wing on the top line since his return to the lineup. He has now got six points over his last eight games, piling up 33 hits in that stretch as well, if that matters to you in your season-long pools. That question, in fact, did come up to me uh, in uh, one of the listener questions that I received on Twitter last week, and I touted him, and he's been rewarding the fellow that questioned me in the first place, so a happy outcome there. Uh, I, I think Kiprasov has done enough to lock up the Calder Trophy partner as league's top rookie with a current stretch of seven goals and an assist over his last eight games. He now has 23 goals and 43 points overall. His closest challenger may be, in fact, his teammate in the Nets here, Kapu Kakinen, who for his part has registered 15 wins, a 269 goals against average, and a 909 save percentage. So it could be come down to the voting between the, the local chapter of the NHL there in Minnesota to determine who wins the Calder Trophy this <laughs> season in the NHL. Absolutely. And what Minnesota's doing here uh, at the end of the season just really goes to show um, that, you know, at least for me, uh, you know, that they're headed in the right direction, even long term beyond just um, this year and and what they're able to do in the postseason here. Uh, They're going to be hard pressed to get out of the West. Uh, You know, I I think it's not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination, but getting past Vegas and Colorado, who seem to be on a collision course uh, for a huge matchup here. uh, It does seem a bit inevitable. And obviously the Stanley cup playoffs are, are a different beast and and things could change. But look at the end of the day, uh, the fact of the matter is Minnesota is a playoff team now. And I think their future only looks brighter uh, as they look ahead beyond this season, regardless of of what may or may not happen. In Montreal, they're clinging to that fourth spot, despite not having Carey Price. Uh, They went 3-1 last week. Jake Allen continues to carry the workload for them. Three games started, two wins, seven goals allowed. Uh, Some offensive production coming uh, as well for them. Nick Suzuki, three goals, three assists. Tyler Toffoli with a trio of goals as well. But I think the player we most have to talk about here is Cole Caulfield, as we mentioned off the top. Back-to-back OT winners for the team. Uh, And look, again, uh, those of us from Wisconsin, not at all surprised to see this guy producing at that level. Um, I think we, you know, if anything, I was a little surprised uh, it took him this long to, to end up in the NHL. Uh, and the thing I love about his game, look, you know, a player comes into the NHL making his debut. You might expect them to be a little tentative, comes out in that debut game, puts four shots on goal right away, two minutes of power play ice time. Um, and has continued to just put pucks on the net and these goals were going to come, you know, the shots four, two, three, three, and then two again um, with those OT winners coming along the way. I think there's uh, a great uh, things expected for Cole Caulfield looking ahead. Yeah. I, I've watched him closely in the last couple of games he's played and uh, boy, you don't notice him for large stretches in the game, but inside the opposing blue line, He's very deadly. He, he gets the shots on goal, finds the open spaces, and that aspect is a real knack that the top scorers do have. They find those open gaps in the defensive zone and uh, put themselves in prime position like last night, position A, top of the slot, 
and uh, drilled a shot to the low corner to, to solidify that win. The night, the game before, he raced to the front of the net to get a cross-ice pass and chip it over the goalie for a very, very nice OT winner there too. So the guy clearly has a nose for the net. And don't worry about the fact that he's a little on the smallish side. He's been fighting those odds for years, as AJ will attest, and it hasn't slowed him down at all. So I do think he's the real deal, and uh, Montreal fans can be excited about his addition to the lineup. Uh, I wonder where Josh Anderson is, though. This guy was a, a menace scoring-wise and physical-wise physical with his play, but he's been MIA for me for weeks now and uh, still has that uh, Cy Young kind of scoring line with 17 goals and 7 assists on the year. And uh, you wonder if he's going to wake up in time to help this team in the playoffs. They won't go far unless they get uh, him producing and Gallagher back in the lineup. And, of course, Carey Price just started practicing too. That probably is the best news of all as they hope to get him ready. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. For game one of the postseason, they might not even finish fourth, AJ. They're making a nice push here. They're tied for third right now with Winnipeg, so that's something to keep our eye on here north of the border. We'll take a break now for a couple of minutes for a word for our sponsors, and we'll be back with a look at the remaining teams in our weekly deep dive into key information about each roster. You're listening to Puckcast with Statchman and AJ. We'll be back in a few seconds. All right, we're back on podcast with Statsman and AJ, and I'll take it from here, AJ, with a look at the New Jersey Devils, seventh in the Eastern Division, a 3-0 and week for a team that is not going to make the postseason. Mackenzie Blackwood receding for all those victories, so probably came in cheap in the DFS plays of the week with only eight goals against in total over those three wins. He got help from uh, the offense, uh, and it came in the, the form of four assists from uh, Hughes, Ty Smith with two assists, McLeod with two assists, youngster Kuokanen with a goal and two helpers thriving in a left-wing role in the top line. He now has 24 points in 45 games in his rookie season. Sharangovich is another youngster who got a lot of playing time on the right wing on the top line with 28 points in his 49 games in his rookie season. So you can see between the rookies here that I mentioned here, a whole midful and a couple of uh, second- and third-year players, their their team is coming together, but I think they're still a year or two away from contention in uh, in uh, terms of a playoff hunt. And it's largely because their defense really isn't in order, and currently that's a real issue. Their de- depth on the blue line is really decimated by the fact that Subban... 
Subban, Siegenthaler, and Tennyson, all veteran players of the of this team uh, or in the NHL, are currently sidelined on the back end. Second liners uh, have done very well of late, lighting things up and leading the offense here. Uh, the trio consists of Zaka with five, got five points, Nico Heischer with two goals, and Jesper Bratt with two goals. So another cheap DFS play if you want to lock down that second line and uh, future plays uh, in the near near term. The other problem here is that they're paying P.K. Subban to be the 50-60 point player he was uh, when he was in Montreal. I think at this point they'd take even the 40 point player he was with the Predators. You look at his last two seasons combined, he's at 37 points in two years. Uh, That's certainly not good enough for a guy making $9 million a year uh, and eating up about 11% of your cap. They're going to be stuck with him for one more year. I don't think anybody's going to want to take on that deal for, for the amount of uh, space that they have there. But uh, I agree. Things are definitely looking uh, bright for the future. And, and um, but they're going to have some trouble here that, you know, that nine millions on the books next season. And you've got Merkley, McLeod, uh, Kukinen, uh, Sharon Govich, Bastian, AJ Greer, who they just called up. All those guys, RFAs going to be looking for new deals uh, next season. So it's, it, it's not going to be, you know, the toughest uh, off season. They already have plenty of cap space and they're going to get two first round picks this year. So that's certainly good news for them. Um, but there are some guys that are going to need deals in the coming years and, and having that, uh, that 9 million on the books is certainly dragging things down for them. In Nashville, uh, it's a decent week for goaltender UC Saros. Three games started, two wins, seven goals allowed as they cling to that four spot in the Central on a two-in-one week. They got some okay production this past week from from guys like Halla, two goals and one assist, Ryan Ellis with two goals. But really, uh, the biggest thing for them is they're going to need production from that top line of Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Eli Tolvanen. Look, Phil Forsberg makes his return uh, at his two games back from injury, got a pair of points last night. So that could be a sign of things to come for him. They're really going to need that. But, you know, not to give too much away for a preseason or postseason preview here. Uh, but I don't expect them to get past uh, Carolina or Florida. You know, they'll face one of those two teams in the first round of the playoffs. And I expect it'll be uh, probably a quick exit for the Predators. The New York Islanders are in third place in the Eastern Division. A very tight race there. They're, uh, they were 2-1 and one last week. Varlamov getting two game starts, both wins and both shutouts. That's three straight shutouts for him uh, in that stretch. And now seven on the season as he makes his case for Vezina Trophy contention uh, at the end of the season. Anthony Beauvillier leading the offense with three goals. Matthew Barzal with a couple of goals. Josh Bailey, I've touted him as one of the better playmaking wingers, added four assists on the week. Brock Nelson, a guy who was more of a shoot first center, chipped in with three assists. Mayfield led the blue line with two assists. And uh, for me, though, Kyle Palmieri may be one of the biggest disappointments uh, from the trade deadline. Only one assist in nine games played since the trade here. And right behind him, Travis Sajak with only one goal and one assist in his six games played. He's even been a healthy scratch for a couple as well. So while the trade deadline was good to a a number of teams, it certainly hasn't helped the Islanders cause very much. And they got to hope that situation changes. In fact, uh, left wing... uh, was thought to be solved left-wing issues were thought to be solved with the addition of these two former new jersey devils but uh, it's still a concern as it's a bit of a black hole behind beauvillier on that depth chart 
The other concern there is Jean-Gabriel Pajot was out last night with an undisclosed injury, and that will really hurt uh, their their depth as well. Uh, down the middle, I, I think that's a hard injury to kind of overcome uh, when you already have a guy like Anders Lee sidelined. Uh, on the other side of, of New York here, the Rangers, fifth in the East, one and two. It's all over and done with for them. They won't make the postseason this year. Uh, those spots have been locked up. I think, you know, the biggest thing for the Rangers is finishing out strong. And you have to consider the fact that they have been without Chris Kreider, Ryan Lindgren, Jacob Truba, Brett Howden picked up an injury, and now they've got Artemi Panarin possibly, uh, you know, missing a significant chunk of time after that, uh, that lower body injury last night. Even if it's something, you know, even if it was relatively minor, why force Panarin back out into games that don't matter here at the end of the season? Uh, and so I, I think it's, you know, probably uh, if they're in the hunt, maybe you try and do something, but certainly uh, not good news on the injury front. And certainly the fact that their playoff hopes were dashed last evening didn't help either. In Ottawa, this team has been a, a real tough out, uh, despite the fact that they have been trailing the division much of the season. They're, they're in sixth place, but on win percentage, Vancouver is still ahead of them. Uh, they have some things to look forward to, though, with the development of several of their young pieces. Brady Tuchuk, for me, looks to be one of the best leaders in hockey already. A goal and three assists for the youngster as he continues to pile up points. Thomas Shabbat had two goals and one assist last week, but suffered probably a season-ending injury, injury uh, with a shoulder hurt last night and uh, in a victory over the Jets. Uh, Alex Formerton on the back end with two assists. A 19-year-old Pinto, this kid at center, is centering Vets, uh, Dezingle, and Brown on a second line. That looks pretty nice to me. And uh, is an, he's another piece that they can look forward to building their offense around. Center on the top line is Norris, two goals assist, two goals last week, winding up with seven goals and seven assists in his 14 games played in April. It looks like they've got a couple of real solid candidates for the top two center roles if these youngsters continue to produce like they have recently. Hogberg and Gustafsson, two other youngsters who are manning the nets uh, because Matt Murray is back on the IR with a lower body injury so you can see the auditions are in full swing for the youngsters who want to make the grade and make Ottawa a more significant participant in uh, their playoff aspirations for next year I think the thing about uh, Ottawa you know looking uh, to the future is just you know getting can can Matt Murray stay healthy I think is their their biggest question if and then from there, if he can stay healthy, what sort of, uh, you know, what can he do on the ice? Because you haven't seen a lot of him this year, and it's been hard to really gauge, uh, gauge that. In Philadelphia, in no doubt, a disappointing season for them. 0-3 last week, although they may have shellacked the Penguins last night, um, for lack of a better term. Uh, Voracek with three assists there. Uh, and, and again, this, you know, uh, the biggest question is Carter Hart and can he overcome what is no doubt a disappointing second season in the league and show that he really can be a number one guy for them. I think, uh, that's, that's the thing that they need to answer heading into next season, as well as questions about, you know, what, where is Shane Gossesberry? Is he in the team? Is he not in the team? Are you protecting him in free agency or not? Um, and trying to figure out what exactly the answer is with him, because that's not a guy that needs to be sitting 
uh, on the, you know, watching from the sidelines at a four and a half million dollar cap hit for another two seasons. So I think they need to answer some questions about the ghost as well on, on the back end. Yeah, he's three seasons removed from a 65-point campaign that's posted nothing but minuses on the plus-minus, and that's one of the reasons why they uh, have issues with an enig- very enigmatic player. You love the offense that he brings, but he kills you defensively, and, and uh, that's been the, the name of the game for him for the last three se- seasons over there. In Pittsburgh, certainly their defense is in order, and that's something that you wouldn't have, you wouldn't think about first when you talk about the great one-two punch they have at center and some of the other guys that they've been able to put around those two pieces offensively. It's the defensive side of the puck that has the Penguins at the top of this division, AJ, and you've got to be thrilled by that, but you've also got to be happy about, about the fact that Evgeny Malkin returned to the lineup on Monday night, returning to his center role in the second line. He'll be working between Zucker and Kapanen. That makes that a very formidable unit for me and one that I got to look at seriously in DFS play. Uh, Kapanen himself has recently returned from the IR, has picked up five points in six games played since since getting back into the lineup. I'm not going to belabor the point, AJ, anymore. I would like to ask you about how you account for the solid defensive numbers for the Pens uh, and uh, the fact that Jari and DeSmith have been uh, better than I expected as a goalie tandem in this in this team. Well, I think a lot of it has to do, uh, you know, I'll give credit where credit is due. And I think that's the return of Todd Reardon to the bench uh, has really kind of turned things around um, and was able to, you know, work with these guys at the start of the year. Mike Matheson uh, was a a defensive liability. His offensive game has always been there. Um, You know, he's a good skater. His ability to force the play up, the uh, move the play up the ice. Uh, I think is really good, but he would make some really bad defensive mistakes. And, and that hasn't been the case in the last half of the season. Now, of course, they're going to be in trouble on the back end because he's now week to week after uh, getting hit in the face with a puck, no real details on how long he might be out. Uh, and that's going to make uh, some difficult decisions for them because they don't right now have another, uh, you know, the right-handed guy to replace Matheson. Their only real option would be to bring P.O. Joseph up from the minors. Otherwise, they'll do what they did last night, have Mark Friedman playing on his offside. I should also note, as much as uh, you'll hate to hear this, but Cody Ceci has been really, really solid defensively. Um, I'm sure. And again, I, I, <laughs> I, I point to Todd Reardon on that one um, because, you know, Paul, you talked all the time. You did not like that signing by the Penguins at the start of the season, and Cody Ceci had some some really disastrous bad play at times in, in Toronto. And that has not been the case in Pittsburgh. You know, basically you don't, I don't notice Cody CC in a game, which is, is a good thing. You know, yeah. he's not making bonehead plays chips in offensively once in a while, but it's not what they're asking for him. So uh, I think it's all Todd Reardon being back on the bench and, and working with this guys. I think that was a great hire for them uh, in San Jose, a two and two week uh, as they continue to just, putter through the, the rest of the season here, trying to get this one over and done with Logan Couture, two goals, two assists, Evander Kane, two goals, four assists. So certainly there's some guys that you could use in terms of DFS contests, but overall uh, an over and done with season for them. Martin Jones is, is back and healthy. So they'll use him periodically uh, down the stretch uh, as well as the, the youngster on the squad there. But um, overall, just trying to get through the rest of the season and, and, uh, and wrapping it up, I think, is uh, the plan in San Jose. 
You chickened out. It's Joseph Kozernash in the Nets on, on San Jose. He's getting a good look. He's played in six games, posted a 321 goals against average, save percentage right around 90%. Those are Marty Jones' numbers, but uh, they probably don't have to pay this guy as much. So it could be an option to consider in as part of a tandem going forward there. But uh, a decent debut for a guy behind a very unsettled situation in San Jose. I'll give him that much for sure. And uh, a nod to former Leaf Alexander Barabanov, who finally got his first couple of NHL goals last week, along with two assists in his biggest week as a pro. I'm happy to see him getting a chance because, by all accounts, he was an offensive, offensively skilled player in the KHL. Never got a chance in Toronto to flash those skills other than as a fourth liner, and that wasn't going to happen. So happy to see him getting some points out there on the left coast. In St. Louis, this is a team that finally looks like they're getting serious about playing uh, a complete game. They're fourth in the West, overtaking Arizona. They went 2-0-1 last week. And it's it's a team that I knew was going to be a factor uh, in the playoff hunt, despite the fact they were on the outside looking in for the last few weeks. But uh, their leadership is coming to the forefront now. O'Reilly's been playing great for the last few weeks. Two goals and three helpers there. Perron with two goals and five assists. Sammy Blay with two goals. Rob Thomas with two goals and one assist. Jordan Cairo continues a fantastic rookie season with two goals and three helpers. You can see the offense is rounding into form at the same time as Bennington, who picked up the two wins and only eight goals against in three starts last week. He hadn't been sharp, in fact, over his last seven starts, allowing more than uh, three goal, three or more goals in six of them. So he'd still like to get a little bit better, but I can see things turning around even for him with everything else falling into place. The one concern that I have is recent injuries have impacted the defensive depth here. We've seen that on a few teams, but Vince Dunn and Tori Kruger right now dealing with upper body injuries, and the hope here is that they both get back in time for the postseason. They're going to need these guys because they're going to have a very tough first-round uh, matchup, I would say. And the other part that helps them is Tyler Bozak finding his uh, game offensively, and he moved up to second-line minutes. That's been a situation they've been trying to lock down all season long. Who's going to be that second line center? Bozak's making his case with 10 points in his last 10 games played. In Tampa Bay, uh, the obvious uh, concern is that they have not dressed Andre Vasilevsky for the last two games. There hasn't been a lot of detail as to why he hasn't been in the lineup there, but certainly him being on the sideline is not what you want. Uh, and it's been reflected in those, those. They played two games against Detroit, a one nothing uh, defeat. That was a, a shootout loss for them. Uh, they, you know, they, they get the loss despite the fact that Curtis McElhinney actually put together a good outing, stopping all 15 shots that he faced. They come back and have a two one win over Detroit as well with um, they used uh, Christopher Gibson in that contest. So getting Vasilevsky healthy is going to be the key here. But despite that, 3-0-1 last week, 5-0-1 in their last six. Uh, They don't have Steven Samkos. They don't have Nikita Kucherov. Vasilevsky's banged up. And somehow this team continues to chug along. Uh, This is going to be a juggernaut of a playoff team when they get all those guys back. And look, you know, I was looking earlier for Vesna Trophy. Um, If I'm if I'm looking at this, I kind of want Vasilevsky to just get one more shutout, because for me, uh, one last shutout here would tie him with Philip Grubauer for uh, at six. He's got more wins than Grubauer, a better save percentage. The goals against average is a little bit worse. I think it's a two-dog fight between these 
two guys in terms of who's going to come out on top. And, and if Vasilevsky wants to wrap it up, one more shutout I think should do the trick. Over in Toronto, this team is all but locked up first place in the North Division. They were 3-0 and last week. They were on a five-game win streak, undefeated in six now after the OT loss last night. And Jack Campbell, to me, has done enough to shut people up in terms of the Maple Leaf goalie situation. Look at the one-loss record. I think it's 15-2-2 right now. Any team would take that. In his two starts last week, two more wins, two goals against. And last night, two goals, three goals against in that OT loss. So the, I think the goaltending question has been answered, despite the fact that Freddie Anderson's just started skating again, and he looks like he's going to be ready for the postseason. I think it gives the Leafs a nice-looking one-two punch heading into the playoffs, and I do think that they're going to have, like many, a lot of other teams, a condensed schedule, so you'll want to have that strength in the net and that depth in goal, and uh, I think the Leafs have answered that question, so I hope there's not much more talk about that in the greater media prognostications going forward. Austin Matthews is a guy that deserves all the headlines he's getting four more goals last week another one last night he's got 39 goals in a in 52 games it's a crazy pace that would be a 60 plus goal pace and we haven't seen that from anybody since the likes of uh, Ovech other than the likes of Ovechkin and Lemieux that's the company that Matthews finds himself in with the scoring exploits that he's come up with it's not limited to him though however Willie Nylander two goals and one helper last week Adam Brooks has looked really good in a fourth line role with two goals consider his wingers are Joel Thornton and Jason Spezza I think I would look good playing between those two guys, even if I didn't have skates on. So uh, very lucky for him. And there was a great picture with him on the bench between those two guys. He looked like a kid at Christmas. So I'm very happy for him and the success he's having on a minimum contract. Mitch Marner is uh, Matthew's running mate, a goal and four helpers. Still, to me, doesn't get the the uh, accolades that he deserves he's in uh, contention to be the top, a top five score uh, point getter in this uh, NHL season and nobody's talking about him at all in any capacity other than Matthew's wingmate he's uh, he's been uh, one of the best players in hockey again this season Morgan Riley starting to find his offensive game chipping in with three helpers on the back end he was in a bit of a funk I thought but his game is really coming together at a good time I spoke of Joel Thornton consider that the 43 year old has now uh, uh, got 1,100 assists in his career. That's the seventh player in the hockey history to do that. Uh, he did it on the heels of a one-goal-to-assist week last week. Uh, Nick Felino had uh, two assists last week, of co- compiling a four-game point streak, but it ended last night early on as he got hurt in that game. And there's a bit of a concern about the fact it could be a hip flexor here, but no confirmation yet. So they've got him on the sidelines. they got Hyman on the sidelines. It doesn't matter what happens over the next four games, folks. They've got to get those two guys healthy, and uh, the Leafs will be looking forward to getting to the end of their regular season schedule and getting ready for the postseason. It's pretty much home and cooled out, as I say. The biggest margin of any first-place team uh, across the four divisions uh, in terms of a point-scoring race, and uh, we're all waiting for the real barometer here in Toronto. The season really doesn't start, for me, with a measurement of how good this team is until they have some playoff success, something that's been missing since 2004 here. In any other circumstance, I would say Austin Matthews could probably just stop playing and still win the Rocket this year. Um, Connor McDavid being eight goals behind him, Matthews might want to play a couple games down this <laughs> a game or two more, just in case. Um, but I think he should, uh, you know, be taking home that hardware for sure at the end of the season. A team that won't be taking away any hardware at the end of this year is the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, they have a ton of games in hand, could still sneak into the playoffs, but an 0-4 week is not 
going to help that happen. Uh, they're just not, not, you know, clicking on all cylinders right now. I will give them a little bit of leeway when you consider the number of forwards that they have out of the lineup. Some of these are more depth guys. Obviously they've been without Elias Patterson for a while. Brandon Sutter pits up an injury, Tyler Mott, you know, Anton Roussel uh, out as well. Jake Bertan and Justin Bailey, like the list has gotten to the point where you do have to give them a, a little bit of leeway, I think. But unfortunately for them, uh, it's going to be, you know, a, a tough end to the season, I think. And they're probably going to be playing games after the playoffs have already started just to finish out the season here uh, and, and get all their games in. But I just don't see how they could track down, even with those huge games in hand. Yes, it's still mathematically possible, but they're way far back from Montreal for that last spot. Over in Vegas, they're first in the West. Sure, uh, the record is two and one. Flurry in nets, two goals, uh, two uh, game starts, two wins, and four goals against. I know my partner's going to have some more to say about him in a rebuttal to my comments. Max Pacioretty came back from a uh, brief scare, but he's got another one to deal with. Uh, two goals, two assists last week. Mark Stone with two goals and two helpers. Marjorie two goals and one helper. Uh, Carlson with two goals so you can see the top six forwards are well represented in their scoring exploits Alex Pietrangelo hasn't had the offensive season that I thought he might here but picked up two helpers last week I think his overall game though is in good shape and that's going to be a key factor in how successful they are in the postseason but another one is the health of their bottom six and it took a blow last week with Nosek and Roy expected to miss some time with undisclosed injuries they've got to have those veterans in tow uh, to hope for a long run here I think you don't want to go into the playoffs with a, without a healthy lineup and they're challenging this this way I'm still confused AJ with the lack of success that Riley Smith is having in terms of a low uh, low end offensive campaign when you consider Marchesol and Carlson have continued to, to rock and roll with their regular scoring exploits all season long uh, Riley Smith uh, trails them by a significant amount despite the fact they're on the ice together all the time so uh, in any case I know you're anxious to speak about uh, your favorite goalie well, I'll start by saying, pointing out to the fact they've been going with an every other goalie rotation since late March uh, was you know, the end of March. The 25th, 27th was the last time any netminder for them played two games in a row. So they've been doing every other. But after the uh, disaster that uh, Robin Leonard put up last night, you have to wonder if they'll consider changing that. It'll be interesting to watch how the rest of the way goes. And I'll be honest, I think these guys are in a dogfight to figure out who's going to be the starting goaltender for for the postseason. I doubt they're going to rotate in the playoffs. They certainly, I guess they could, but I I doubt they're going to. What Paul is alluding to, for those of you who may not be aware, is Marc-Andre Fleury is currently tied now with Roberto Luongo for most uh, third most wins in in NHL history among netminders. So one more win. He'll move into second place. And as as much as I would love to see Fleury continue to play for, you know, seasons on end, I think this is probably where we'll see him wind up. One more win. We'll put him at 490. That's still 61 behind Patrick Waugh and just a ridiculous amount behind Marty Broder, who's at 691 for, for the overall. Um, so I, I think this is probably where Fleury's, uh, you know, final number will end, whatever it ends up being. Maybe he pushes 500, but I think he'll end up third overall on this list, and he's in position to move into that spot 
in their next game here. Uh, in uh, we'll talk about Washington because we have to. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, uh, I'm I'm sick of the team right now. <laughs> um, but uh, you know. I do have to give them a little bit of credit for pulling off the win last night. Consider the fact uh, that they uh, they lost Ovechkin again. He was coming back. He gets hurt in his first shift last night. Uh, TJ Oshie was out of the lineup for uh, you know for personal reasons. Kuznetsov was held out for disciplinary reasons. Ilya Samsonov gets uh, essentially put on the taxi squad so that Craig Anderson could serve as the backup last night for similar disciplinary reasons. So uh, they're missing some pretty big pieces there. Uh, and so they, you know, pulling off the win last night is a pretty big deal. Um, what happens with Ovechkin is going to be the biggest thing for this team to monitor. How serious is that injury? Um, do they just shut him down for the rest of the regular season? Obviously the playoffs are the priority, but you got to, you know, you would think they got to fight for first. John Carlson did come back last night. So that's key. And some of this could factor on how long Tom Wilson is, is suspended here. Uh, I suppose I should say if he's suspended, uh, but I, I would hope to God he is. And the league doesn't just overlook that. And so that could force their hand a little bit as well in terms of what they're going to do. So a lot of question marks with Ovechkin being hurt again. Uh, you know, TJ Oshie, is this just, was this just a one-game thing? Uh, or are we looking at, you know, he's going to have to take a little bit more time away for, for whatever reason. Um, that's that's a factor as well here. You know, this team was cruising along in first place or very near first place all season long. And they picked the absolute wrong time to show these undisciplinary activities that have dotted the news stories coming out of Washington for the past seven days and even in the course of last night's game. It's not stuff you want to see from a team as they get ready for the postseason and not the way they want to be going into that postseason run either, particularly in such a competitive loop. I think they've done their their, their playoff chances a tremendous disservice over the last seven games, and I don't see a long playoff run in Washington as a result. In Winnipeg, this team is hoping, was hoping for a long playoff run, but they too might fit the same mold except for, uh, except for the disciplinary activities. They've been pretty straight up uh, in losing their last seven games after another defeat last night against Ottawa. Uh, look at what Connor Hellebuck has done. In the last three games he played, zero is the win total, 12 goals against overall. And even if you look at a bigger clip than that, it's 20 plus, 21 goals against in his last six games played. If he doesn't get settled down, this team goes nowhere. They could even slip to fourth in the division and face a quick, they face a play, quick playoff exit anyway. They're going to get either Toronto or Edmonton and those high octane offenses against a team that's giving up as many goals and shots as Winnipeg is right now is not long for the postseason in my estimation they they suddenly find themselves in that third place tie with Montreal as a result of their recent faltering play and it hasn't helped that they've been missing Blake Wheeler but at least he got back in the lineup chipped in a goal and two helpers last week and they got some goals from Trevor Lewis in a bottom six role that looked nice but Bigger concern, uh, again, is Pierre-Luc Dubois slumping offensively. He has only three assists in his last 
10 games played, 11 now, and that's not at all fitting into the offense like I expected that he would. And on the back end, Neil Pionk, their top offensive blue liner, has struggled of late with no points during the club's current losing streak, so they got a lot of question marks here. It's teams in the W part of the alphabet that uh, give us, uh, maybe we give them an F rating for the way they're going right now, AJ, and uh, that's the way we'll end up our look at the 31 teams. And uh, let's slide over now into our DFS segment, and uh, I publicized on my Twitter feed a couple of big wins that I had last week. I'm rolling along, AJ. AJ and people that follow me could have played those lineups and won some big money in the past week. I finished in the top 10 in tournaments twice, and I have never done that before. So I'm pretty excited about putting together another lineup tonight. Before I do that on FanDuel's platform, why don't you tell us what you've done on DraftKings for this evening's contests? Well, so I, I found myself in an interesting position, and, and I'll walk through our listeners on, on how I built my lineup here. So um, the first thing I wanted to do uh, with the embarrassment that happened last night for Pittsburgh, I expect them to be motivated to come out strong in tonight's game. And so I want to go with the second line. That's Evgeny Malkin for 6,300, Kasperi Kapanen for 3,700, and Jason Zucker for 3,000. Zucker comes in super cheap. He did pick up a point last night. I think that could be a sign of things to come here for him, especially with Malkin back in the lineup. So I really wanted to use that entire line. The other team... That uh, is, I think, going to be motivated playing on the second night of a back-to-back after a disappointing win is the New York Islanders. And again, I really like their second line here of Brock Nelson at 4,100, Anthony Bolivier at 4,000, and Justin Bailey at 3,100. All these guys have put up decent. Uh, I think they're underpriced and have a phenomenal matchup. Uh, As far as the net mining, uh, I'm going to go with Tristan Jari for 7,900 because obviously if I'm stacking one of those lines for me, uh, based on the fact that I'm stacking a Pittsburgh line and an Islanders line, it makes the most sense to use one of those two netminders, obviously. So I'm going to use Jari tonight at 7,900. This left me so much money left over, uh, that I started by, I was just going to pay up big on, on the blue line. And I'm going to start with Dougie Hamilton. Carolina has a great matchup tonight with Chicago 6,900. He's the big price tag for them. I can also use Chris Letang at 5,800. I think the number one power play for Penguins did score last night. I think a good opportunity for him to pick up some points. Now you put all together, Paul, uh, my lineup came in $5,200 in remaining salary. Wow. So I took a look at what I could do with that. And if I take Nelson out, I can replace him with Connor McDavid. No problem. So that's what we're going to do tonight. I, I built my lineup to what I really liked. Um, but I found myself uh, taking a ton of value plays uh, along the wingers there. And so I'll substitute Connor McDavid in. So as a full roundup at center, I've got Malkin and McDavid. The three wing spots are Bolivier, Kapanen, and Zucker. Dougie Hamilton and Chris Letang on the blue line. Justin Bailey comes in as my utility spot there. And Tristan Jari between the pipes. So uh, yeah, some last minute. I just thought that was an interesting tweak. I built my lineup the way I liked it. Had just so much money left remaining. I had to go get Connor McDavid to put up, you know, 20, 30 points, whatever it is. He put this up tonight. <laughs> well, AJ, I'm going to go with a contrarian play that I'm going to put in a couple of tournaments tonight, and it doesn't feature Connor McDavid. I've been tracking his ownership, and it's ridiculous. It's like upwards of 70% 
in in FanDuel play on a regular basis whenever this guy suits it up. So I'm hoping that somehow, some way, he's shut down in Vancouver uh, in the rematch this evening, and uh, that he doesn't make a lot of noise. And so I'll start my lineup, and I'm, I'm building it kind of with a look toward uh, topping topping uh, totals with good first line centers. Mar- Mar- uh, Matthew Barzal is one choice that I make. He's got a matchup against Buffalo. I told you I'm gonna I'm gonna hammer whoever plays Buffalo and Detroit whenever they're in the lineups uh, uh, for our game plays. And Barzal fits the mold t- today for me. Priced in at only sixty six hundred dollars. That's a price point that is familiar uh, to people in in uh, FanDuel for finding low end value at the center position, and that is going to afford me a chance to pay up elsewhere. But I partner him with Sebastian Ajo, and I I put Ajo in the center role because he's been a consistent scorer for weeks now, and he's got his running mate back in the lineup, Toivo Teravainen. And get this, his price tag is a paltry fifty six hundred dollars, despite the fact he's already shown that he's back in scoring form with the production that he had last week. So a Dynamic duo in Carolina facing off against Chicago, a team that is a bit floundering with the defensive stats and the goalie stats that we highlighted earlier. I take a page from you when I look at a couple other wingers that I want in the lineup tonight. I agree with you. Pittsburgh's looking to make noise and, and uh, re- respond to the drubbing they took last night. And I am going to take the second line wingers too. Zucker and Kapanen in my lineup this evening, priced at $4,700 and $4,500 respectively. That's on the lower end of the price table and a pretty good value for second line wingers in my estimation going forward. I lied to you. I am picking Connor McDavid. I, I wanted to see if you would actually believe that I would keep him out of the lineup, AJ, and you didn't react, but I did put him in there for $9,300. I got him in a utility spot there and uh, rounding out my offense. And then Shane Gostisbehere uh, is the defenseman that I'm going to show some faith in tonight just because I do think that's going to be a high-scoring game, and his offensive game has come together in the last week uh, looking a bit like uh, I expected he could when he's on top of his game he seems like it at least at one end of the ice and a guy that needs to be on top of his game in Boston is Charlie McAvoy and I price him in at $4,800 they do on FanDuel I'll take that two defensemen that figure to be on offensive side of the puck combined $8,500 spending for them and you talked about the goalie from Boston figures to be Swayman tonight and I'm taking a share of him in this action against New Jersey he's priced in at sub $8,000 which is a bargain for a goalie who's favored in a matchup and should be heavily favored considering the uh, number of injuries that the Devils are facing today. And so uh, I think I got another shot to be in the winner's circle, quite frankly, and I hope our listeners pay attention because I know you've been hot too. So uh, good for us and good for those people who are listening to this segment as we wind up the show, AJ. Any final thoughts? I know you're you're steaming about the Washington situation, so we'll <laughs> stay away from that. I want to see you smile as we sign off. So anything else that uh, catches your attention among the headlines maybe that we highlight at the top or anything else want to talk about well i was just going to add you know last uh last week i i did toss your your lineup into the nickel contest on FanDuel. just you know a little bit of faith in your paul uh certainly paid off uh well considering i was only paying a nickel so i'm gonna pay up a little bit higher this week paul give you a little more faith i'm gonna go a full two dollars on your lineup tonight paul so we'll (laughs) We'll see what happens. Uh, probably going to, you know, probably jinxing you and, and maybe our listeners. I figured it's important for them to know that. So maybe they don't want to use your lineup tonight just because I'm jinxing it <laughs> by spending a little more on it. 
All right, partner. Well, we only got a couple more weeks in the regular season. The playoff races will be settled probably next time we talk next week, and we'll start paying more attention to those possible playoff matchups at that point. But it's a fine place to wrap up this week's look around the league on PuckCast with Statsman and AJ. It's Rotowire's signature fantasy hockey pod. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into PuckCast to get our tips to stay of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.